this edition of I Talk to Dead People. Our guest tonight is one of the original founding fathers of the United States, John Hancock. The founding father. The founding, top billing. Top billing. Okay, well let's uh, kick off with uh, the first question is, what was it like drafting the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Hancock? A lot of people have it wrong. Um, people think that we we really stressed over this. We gave ourselves two weeks, and um, not going to lie, we had some fun in those two weeks. Didn't get a lot of work done. Then uh, <clears throat> Johnny Adams comes up to me and wants to know if we need to turn this in on time. I say, yeah. So I call up Benny Franklin. He calls up Georgie, so he comes over. Paul Revere's off being a fear monger. And uh, we pound that thing out in one night, the night before. We turn that thing in, and uh, before we know it, we're declaring our independence. And uh, I'm going to say I, I, I had a pretty big say in it, most of it, actually. It's um, Let me just say that when we named it the Declaration of Independence, a few of the other names that we were thinking about was Hancock's Independence. Um, another one was... Uh, John, let me be free was another one. Uh, I'm the John they're referring to, not John Adams. So uh, it was good. It was good. But uh, we got a lot done, pounded it out the night before. Of course, Samuel Adams brought the drinks. He was always known for that. That's how we were able to stay up all night. Pulled an all-nighter, and um, we burnt the candle at both ends. I heard you mention Benny Franklin, Johnny Adams. <laughs> yep. Um Oh, Were you known as Johnny Hancock? I was known as Johnny Hancock. No one was going to be disrespectful and give me a nickname. Uh, the nicknames were more for kidding and playing. But when people were talking to me, they knew they weren't playing. They were uh, they were in the presence of a, a revolutionary, as, as I like to call myself. And that I often try to get people to call me as well. John Hancock, all business. Okay, no, question number two. Uh, do you wish you would have handled the King George situation differently? I do. I I didn't handle it great because I didn't wait long enough. I didn't wait long enough for him to give me an apology. Still waiting on that apology. He's dead. Uh, I'm dead if you want to call it that, but I don't know how someone can be dead when there's a bridge named after me, there's a tower named after me, there's an insurance company. I don't even, I don't even know anything about insurance. I I died of an infection, and it probably could have been prevented if I had insurance. So I wouldn't really say I'm dead. But anyway, not to get uh, sidetracked in my greatness, um, I do. I, I wish I would have waited longer uh, for him to issue an apology, and I, I hope he does. I hope one day he comes to his senses and uh, realizes that uh, I was the best thing that happened to him. Uh, moving forward, Mr. Hancock, what was it like working with the founding fathers? Ah, the boys. Yeah, I liked working with them. They were great. Everyone brought their own little uh, flair to it. George Washington, he was the goody two-shoes of the group, always doing the right thing. Martha always had him home by eight, or as we call it, when the candle burns. Uh, ben Franklin, really smart guy. No, no one really understood what that guy was saying the entire time, but really good at recommending different books to read, and uh, I read them pretty quickly. I read them fa actually faster than Ben Franklin. Um, my words, not his. So it was pretty good. Um, every I uh, offered to write it. I felt like I had the best handwriting, and um, I don't want to. Well, I do want to brag. I also would bring the best quill to write the declaration with, and um, 
it was a pretty nice quill. Biggest bird. Uh, I killed it myself. I didn't kill it. I hired the guy myself to kill the to kill the bird, and then I plucked it. I went and picked up the quill uh, that I ended up signing everything with. So, and it was a nice quill. So it was great working with them, and uh, I really hope that they had as much fun working with me uh, as I did working with me. Nice. Yep. Uh, what was it like uh, signing the Declaration of Independence? You know what? It's funny. Not a lot of people say this. Uh, a lot of people think that it was a little bit like the Last Supper, where we were all huddled around, uh, focused. It was more of a uh, office birthday card situation. We would pass it around. Everyone kind of sign their little two cents. Uh, I uh, I want to make this a point. I was the first one to sign it. I was the first governor to sign it. Um, I think I'm the only important governor to sign it, according to uh, myself. So... Uh, it was it was really really exhilarating. Um, ben Franklin accidentally drooled on it when he was signing it, so that was why the left corner is a little bit bent. And um, George Washington was insistent that he signed it the smallest, but that's George. That's just George being George. So we all had our own little personalities mixed into the signatures. Georgie boy, um, this this is of particular interest to me. Tell us why. Tell us the story behind um, why you signed your name so large on the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Uh, you got to put the moneymaker first. You know, you never see the funniest guy in a comedy show opening the show. You never see the best fighter or the best fighting match as the opening card. And I feel like it's important that you never see the most important guy signing it the smallest. And... Um, I think all great leaders put themselves first before their people, and uh, I, I think that coming from a long line of great leaders like myself, I, I try to embody that uh, value as well. And I wanted to make sure that uh, King George would see it. It was uh, it's a nice little hello to him, and uh, there were no divorce lawyers back then, and I would have been a great one if there was, but um, that was kind of like our divorce from uh, from England, and uh Let's just say I was the ex-wife making out with 70% of the money. I, uh, I see that your uncle adopted you at age seven. Um, what, was that, what was it like for you growing up? Well, the reason it took seven years wasn't because no one wanted me. It was because I couldn't get all of my relatives to stop fighting over me. And it took seven years to uh, sort that out. It was good. It was good. And many times um, I was an uncle to him. Other times I was a father to him. So I really helped him and... and uh, I he was really lucky to have me. Um uh, what what was your life like growing up in the 17 and living in the 1700s? It was great. It was uh, you know, had the biggest house. I had the most horses. We're recording this podcast in your house and and I you know for my house is so big. I thought that when we first walked into your house recording this, it reminded me so much of my outhouse. Uh, just because of how small it was, but um, it was great. You know, when when you have the biggest house, my wife was beautiful. She was the beautifulest, the the prettiest wife of all the founding fathers. Um, it was great. It was great. And there's no other time period that uh, that I'd want to be born in. So we do this this show each week. I I talk to dead people. What brings you by the show today? So I'm actually here to talk about a uh, a pretty great cause. Um, it's about me. And it's the 43rd annual anniversary of the John Hancock building, 
tallest tower in Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, only the tallest for me. But I was also the tallest founding father, by the way. But um, yeah, uh, we're here to celebrate that. There's no formal event because 43 is a weird number. Uh, it's not really marking anything, but uh, I'm just stopping by the show to let people know that there is a tower that is named after me, and it's also the tallest. It, it looks over all the other towers in Boston. You know, there's not one tower that's bigger than mine that's named after me in Boston. Interesting. Or skyscraper. Uh, so so you were a shipping merchant. Um, I was the what, best shipping what? merchant. Okay. What did you ship? Success. I shipped success. Everywhere I went, uh, they would see one of my ships. They go, there's, there's Hancock's ship. Uh, I wonder what it smells like. And most of that time, that question was answered by, it smells like success. Um, or hatred for King George. But what's the difference? Am I right? When you're a founding father, that's the same thing. So we were shipping success. Um, and also almonds was another one. Nice. All right. Uh, tell me your struggle uh, of living with gout. The real story is the gout struggle living within me. I killed gout. I kept it around just so I could keep beating it around. Um, I, Of all the founding fathers, I lived with gout the best, which is saying a lot because Ben Franklin's foot, his left foot, was messed up. So um, I, it was not a struggle. It was actually just a... Uh, an added challenge that would end up boosting my ego because of how well I handled living with gout. You um, you ran to be the first president but lost to George Washington by 84% and finished in a tie for 10th with nine other contestants. What went wrong with your run for president? It's all my campaign manager. It was all my campaign manager. The problem with my campaign manager is that they didn't let me be the campaign manager. Um... I like George. George is a good guy. I don't think he's the best for the job. Um, he struggled leading guys across a river, which I don't really understand why that's to this day still heroic. Um, I have a building named after me, and, and I don't see one building named after him uh, whatsoever. Um, if there is, um, maybe it's two stories, three stories. Mine's 40 stories, so... People say that the president thing shows that he was maybe more successful, uh, but then again, look at the Boston look at the Boston skyline, and I think that says who the winner is. Sir, there was the uh, Washington Monument. Yep, a okay. monument. That's oh. a tourist. No one, no one comes to tour the John Hancock Building. People come to do business there, and you know what they sell there? They sell success, just like what I was a merchant. Um, how was being governor of uh, Massachusetts? It was great for the people. How was people. your performance? It was great for the people. It was great for the people. People loved it. Um, for me, I didn't even know I was governor. I just kept being myself, and that was good enough to be able to be a great governor without even knowing it. And uh, I, there's no way to put it modestly. When you do the job I did, uh, we were able to celebrate the Boston Tea Party every day. And we were really proud of that fact. But uh, I was a I was a phenomenal governor. They, you know what? I was even asked by Delaware and New York to be governors of their states at the same time I was I was governor of Massachusetts. And I said no, no, no. I I I want to. I want to. Um, but I was too busy making money to be governors of the other states as well. Uh, you you um you weren't at the Constitutional Convention. Where were you? I was sick with gout, 
but more so I was trying to empathize with people who were struggling that were sick with gout. Um, I could not walk, but why would I want to walk when I have the nicest bed in all of Massachusetts to lay on? I feel like that would be a waste of money. And uh, as my Adam Smith friend, the economist says, why would you stay? Why would you go to the national convention when you could lay on the nicest bed that you bought with money that you got from a capitalist economy? He said that. Hmm. Yep. Um, this this question is of particular interest to me. You um you graduated from Harvard at seventeen. What was that experience like? Uh, it was fast. It was fast, and the reason it was fast was because I was so so good at Harvarding. I was so good at school. Um, if I wanted to graduate at twelve, they probably would have let me. Uh, there are some people that are kind of saying that's not really that big of an accomplishment, since college at the time was mostly for socializing. Um, and if it was, then I got an A in socializing because I was able to be friends with the uh, the founding fathers. So I would say that uh, it was a great experience, and I offered Harvard a lot. And they even at one time thought about naming it Hancock University afterwards. Uh, you were once known as one of the largest philanthropists of your time. Why were you so generous? Everyone needs a little bit more John Hancock in their life, and I think that that goes from anywhere from someone who is a founding father who wants to work with me to uh, a poor peasant who, unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's his fault or their fault, isn't as great as me. So I would say that uh, I got to spread the love and, and we, we need to let people know how incredibly generous I am, uh, how incredibly, mo- I think I'm, yeah, you know what, I, I, I was racking my brain, I'm probably the most modest if not modest down to earth guy i know so i feel like it would be a waste to to keep my my wealth just to myself um and i i didn't and i shared it and even after sharing my wealth i was still rich i was still really rich i was i was so rich after sharing my wealth and that that even showed people how rich i was is that i could just give away money and i didn't even know i was giving it away we we um I must say we appreciate your confidence um, throughout this interview. It's uh, you should. You started your own political group called the Sons of Liberty, which Great was group. a key part of the Boston Tea Party. What, what was that like? Uh, Great group. Um, the Sons of Liberty. Uh, this is going to come to no surprise to anyone. I actually wanted to just call it the Son of Liberty, and I would be the son. Uh, I was an only child in the eyes of excellence. But um, it was a really good, good uh, political run. We were able to get a lot of votes, didn't win the election. In fact, we actually disbanded shortly after we lost. But that's not because we're quitters. Uh, That's because we were too busy being awesome at other things. Our staff found this question, and it surprised me. Uh, the, The British created a special unit of the military just to track you down and kill you. What do you think? think you did to make them so angry it's not anger it's jealousy it's jealousy um many times there'd be women that would band together to try to find me as well Hmm. and um they didn't want to kill me well maybe once i found out i wasn't interested but um 
Yeah, uh, they wanted to, they wanted to kill me, and at first it hurt my ego, but um, I've learned that there's a few people today nowadays that kind of have that same mentality, and uh, I'm a big fan of the phrase "if they hate you, that means you're doing something right." And there's never a phrase that I've heard that says, if they try to kill you, you're doing something right. So I think I just one-upped everyone that was in that category of fame. Let's, um, let's close with one last question here. And again, this isn't meant to be confrontational, but, but it's a good question. I'm good at confrontation. Okay. Um, when, when Paul Revere warned everyone, in the Brit- everyone that the British were coming, you fled... And ran to Philadelphia. And you know what? what? I was the only one that fled to Philadelphia. Yeah? Why? How come you did that? You know what that screams? Outside the box thinker. Interesting. Yeah. No, not interesting. The right thing to do. And is Philadelphia still a city? Yes. Oh, right then. I rest, I rest my point. And that's because of John Hancock. They should have named it Phila, Phila Hancock if they wanted to truly be appreciative for what I did for them. Well, I didn't. I didn't have to fight. The British just didn't even know where to come. This has been an amazing and and a and an interesting article, uh, interesting interview. I have been an amazing interview. I've listened to the other two podcasts too, and I'm not impressed. Well, everyone, we we thank you for listening. Tune in next Thursday for another guest on. I talk to dead people. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes.